everybody welcome to another edition of tunnel vision i'm your host ryan abraham publisher of uscfootball.com this is tunnel vision remote during the uh, coronavirus quarantine we are doing this remotely and we have joined right next to me we have uh keely Yor. how you doing keely Hello. oh you cut out there a little bit keely are you there we might have some internet issues with Keely, so this is part of the this is part of the charm of doing this remotely. Uh, follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name, and then a little further over we have Shotgun Spratling. Are you there, Shotgun? I am here. Unlike Keely, just all, already just dropping out of of our broadcast. Figures right. We were like talking to her for probably like fifteen minutes before this, and then it's like soon as I there, bing. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, so well, we're, we're gonna have a question mark there. Why don't I just go? Here, we'll go with the shotgun camera right now. Oh, she's back. Okay. Keely, you're back. I literally don't know what happened. You said hello, and then my... And then we went it again. All right. Uh, maybe don't have your roommate streaming Netflix or whatever is going on here. These are the challenges you face here uh, <laughs> on Total Vision during the quarantine. I, I yearn for the days that we get both of you guys back uh, right here in the studio if you want to see. See, the studio is kind of bare right now. We, normally, it would be a couple of us there. Well, I think there's like a, a cobweb in front of the camera. This is great. Um, yeah. It's been going on a long time. Uh, <laughs> this is crazy. So Keely looks like she's frozen again. Anyway, so what we're going to talk about today, uh, another big commitment for USC. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, the recruiting has just been going gangbusters. We're going to have a little question mark there until Keely gets back. Uh, also, live sports are back. Um, Keely's back again. Good. Uh, live sports are back. So we're happy about that. We're happy to see uh, live sports, and we want to talk about that. What does it mean for uh, the future of college football in the, you know, certainly the uh, 2020 season? And the last dance is over. That was a big deal. At least we got some live sports to look for, but that was like the biggest television event we've seen in uh, quite a while. Looks like Keely's frozen again. This is insane. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about all that. I, I only got to watch like most of the first, uh, episode nine today. Shotgun, you watched both nine and 10, right? Right up until the show started, right? Yeah, I was, uh, doing as much as I could to watch the, I didn't get to watch the last 10 minutes or 15 minutes intently. So I'll rewatch that. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a fun documentary. It was fun, you know, getting to see the behind the scenes stuff just felt like there's probably some more stuff that could have been in it. You know, some more behind the scenes action. Yeah. that didn't really. Uh, you know, it seemed like they covered a lot of stuff that, you know, most people that were following along at the time kind of knew. Um, and, and so you feel like there was still still could have been uh, dug a little bit deeper on that one. You, know, you would love to have seen uh, uh, Brian Russell talk about that last shot that MJ hit. Uh, I'm sure that he was asked about it and declined that interview. That's probably not something he likes to talk about all the time. But you know, it, it was it was really well done as far as how they compiled everything, as far as the, 
you know, just the overall behind the scenes of it type of stuff. But I felt the storytelling there still could have been, you know, it still could have dug a little bit deeper on some things. And I wasn't a huge fan of the way they jumped around the timeline. Uh, some other people didn't have an issue with it, but it, it made it a little bit distracting to me there. Uh, I do like the fact that you got to hear the backstories of so many different players on that team. And it wasn't just straight Michael Jordan, even though obviously it was, it was centered around him. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was fun to watch and it was good to see that people could be reminded of how, how really, really, really good Michael Jordan was. Uh, But I still think there could have been a little bit more done and Hey, maybe that, that means there's still meat on the bone for them to do some future stuff with it as well. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we got Keely back or she's looks like she's a little frozen again. Um, We'll keep trying uh, with that. But yeah, that was, it really seemed like, I think when we first started talking about this, we first moved Tunnel Vision five weeks ago because of the the last dance. I was calling it the Michael Jordan documentary, not really knowing what it was, what was in the whole thing. Uh, our our former colleague, uh, Dan Weike, who's, you know, uh, NBA writer for the LA Times, got to watch, I think got to watch through episode eight and didn't get to watch. I don't know if he, he probably got nine and 10 a little early, but they watched one through eight earlier than all of us got to do it. And, uh, and, you know, talked to him about, it just seemed like it was a Michael Jock, you know, Michael Jordan documentary. It didn't seem like the Chicago Bulls documentary. It was so much about him. You wonder how much input he had into it and all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was something that I thought was cool to see everything that I've seen of it. And for all the people that are like, oh, Kobe was better or, uh, LeBron is better. It's like, no, he was (laughs) like, Jordan was the best. Like, I don't think there's any question about that. He was the best. He's the GOAT. Yeah, I, I mean, the the interesting part was that he kind of was the one that decided when this could be done. I guess he had the rights to the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and so – and he's obviously the biggest name. So if he doesn't agree to do the interviews and stuff, then it's kind of – you know, it kind of doesn't get started. So I, I think that it was interesting that, you know, he put – he allowed it to happen. You know, there's backstory about how this was made and, you know, supposedly that – you know, he, uh, he agreed to allow this documentary to be made the day that the Cavaliers had their uh, parade after beating the Warriors, who people thought were the, you know, had, you know, had the greatest regular season record and thought would be the greatest team of all time. So there's a lot of, you know, backstory to that. But the reason why Dan Wojcicki didn't get to see the last two episodes early, because a lot of the media got to see it before it started airing, is because they hadn't finished it. You know, Arash, our, our good buddy, uh, wrote about this, uh, you know, in a column a few weeks ago about how um, how that they were putting this together as the as the documentary was airing. So, you know, they had a deadline, I think, of like last week to try to finish the last two episodes, the last episode, um, because, you know, right when the coronavirus struck was when they were going, there was supposed to be someone flying to, uh, you know, the director or producer to fly to Utah to interview John Stockton. Uh, or actually to, to Washington, to Spokane, where I think he lives um, from uh, outside of Gonzaga, and went there. You know, they were supposed to be filming this, and they couldn't fly to interview him. So they actually had to get a freelance person to interview him, and that stuff all hit. So they hadn't finished the documentary itself. So that was pushing up the timeline for this to be able to air and stuff. That was part of it. It was like, okay, well, how much time do you need to actually finish all the – you know, finish all the episodes and stuff. So there's a, some good backstory to how this came about and how, you know, it got done in this time where there wasn't uh, the TV on. So, it, it, you know, that's an interesting part of the story too, as well as the documentary itself. And hey, there's Keely back finally. 
Looks like Kaylee, are you moving? Are you? I'm moving. I hope every time I try to talk, it freezes me, so I'm scared to speak. But I think I'm okay. Nice. Uh, Not sure. We got some good comments in there. It looks like uh, someone put a comment that uh, maybe Facebook is having issues again. Uh, are you seeing that? Um, I'm trying to fix my own issues, but I can jump in there and see. Yeah, and I don't know about. Um, yeah, it looks like man, it looks like Periscope. So we've seen this, and uh, so my apologies. We've seen this on Periscope and uh, Facebook the last couple of weeks, where it looks like it's um, everything's sped up and it's. The, the audio and the video have not been connected. So I put a call in to uh, the Wirecast people that they run our this software, and I haven't heard back yet. So I think the coronavirus stuff is hurting that too. So I'll try to find out what's going on this week. But everyone watch on uh, YouTube. It seems to be working pretty well there. If you want to put your comments in, I have the social media feed up. I put a couple uh, comments up already for that. We can also take phone calls too. Um, if you want to call into the show, we can do that. So either post your comments. If you're watching this live, post your comments on YouTube or call, uh, five, one, two, four tunnel, and we'll be able to take your phone calls and stuff. So again, apologies for whatever. I'm not sure what's up with the Facebook and the, uh, Periscope feeds, but are they, yes, it's doing the same thing of like, it's skipping and yeah. Yeah. So something's wrong with the, and yeah, I don't know what it was. It's, it's weird, but YouTube's working great. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you know, broadcasting here. And then I'll see what I can do to make sure it gets fixed for uh, next time. But even when we've done the one-on-ones, like I've just tried to do YouTube and Periscope, uh, for some reason, the Periscope thing isn't quite working. So I'll uh, I'll try to find out what's going on with that this week. But sorry about that. But anyway, hope you guys enjoyed The Last Dance. The other thing is, you know, live uh, sports. What What is the league called, Keely? Uh, the Bundesliga. Bundesliga, whatever. I, yeah. I'm not a soccer guy. I watched soccer because it was like oh some live sports on it's weird there's no people in the stands i watched, some, weird. Uf- yeah, I watched some ufc <laughs> last night i watched like the heavyweight the main event and there's no people there's no one cheering i watched some uh, wwe that was weird there's no one cheer like without people watching sports is weird you know but we are getting some live sports i didn't see there was some nascar today i didn't get to see that um but there's been some sports there was uh Oh, I think there was uh, golf today, too. I think, like, Dustin Johnson against Rory McIlroy or something. And the next weekend will be Phil and uh, Tiger and, like, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So I definitely want to watch some of that. But we have something. I mean, is that does that encourage you guys that maybe we're going to get college football because there actually is some kind of sporting events going on right now? I'm not necessarily encouraged by, by the things that are going on right now leading to college football. You know, it is encouraging that there are sports going on. You know, I've watched some of the KBO stuff late at night, the Korean Baseball League. I watched some of the Bundesliga. You know, in the Bundesliga was, was a little bit – it was different than the KBO because you're finally seeing, like, the top tier. You know, some of the world's best players. Uh, you know, earlier today, Bayern uh, Munich was playing, and, you know, they have some of the best players in the, in the world playing. So a little bit different than the Koreans, kind of minors versus majors type of thing there. Uh, I watched I watched the NASCAR race today. You know, I usually watch a couple NASCAR races a year, just kind of keep keep in touch with it. Um, and so since it was on, I, I did it. The, what's really interesting to me is that NASCAR is actually doing something. They're racing today. On Wednesday, they're going to race at the same track. Then next week, they're going to race on Sunday, uh, on next Sunday at, at Charlotte. And then on the next Wednesday after that. So they're doing four races in like 11 days. So it's kind of crazy that they're trying to jam pack as much as they can. 
obviously they're staying really local, and I think that's kind of key for for their league. Um, you know, their Darlington is in South Carolina. You know, NASCAR is made headquarters. If you guys don't know, is on Charlotte. Most of the teams have their you know have all their stuff there. Their their big uh, you know kind of farms they have their their workshop farms, as I call them. Um, are located in the Charlotte area. So it's not far for them. It's basically, you know, they took a truck and went down. There's no practice, no qualifying anything. They took a truck with one car. You get off the truck, go race. So they very, they simplified things to as big of a degree as they could. Um, you, you see the differences, obviously, with no people in the stands and stuff. And just there's the infield's not packed for NASCAR. But you're watching the Bundesliga, you know, there's no fans there. There's a couple of media people. Um, so it, it's much different in that regard. And seeing the, you know, seeing the manual that the, the, the owners have, you know, kind of uh, leaked out to the media for MLB, you know, and the things that they would be asking players to do. It's the team sports aspect with how much issues are going on around the country in different areas still makes it that it still doesn't give me credence that, hey, college football is going to be automatically back. Now, are there, is there possibilities that different things will happen? Hey, are there going to be certain areas that may be able to do things and other areas can't? I think that's much more of a possibility than looking at a place where Germany or in Korea, where they've done really well at, you know, maintaining and uh, controlling the spread of the virus much better than our country has, obviously, that they're able to get started. You know, I think with team sports, I think it's much different to see, you know, some golf being played or some NASCAR uh, races where it's, you know, individual and you're kind of separate already. So for, for them, that to lead me to believe, hey, yeah, college football is definitely going to be back after seeing what we've seen the last couple of days. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Keely? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Shotgun. I mean, it is nice. I did watch some of the KBO. Uh, it's nice to have some type of sports noises in the background. It's really calming. I know that's lame, but like, I like having sports back. But I mean, I agree with Shotgun. It's not giving me any encouragement for two reasons. One, because the sport, like Shotgun said, the sports are sort of individualistic like there's not it's not very team organized and if it if it is it's in countries that don't have the same response uh, that we do and two college football is still amateurism quote unquote uh, but it it's it's dependent on college students and college uh, students coming back on universities and universities uh, don't want to be liable for anything to happen so obviously they're going to be much more cautious uh compared to professional leagues where these are grown adults doing this for their career. So I think it's college football is probably going to be one of the most like cautious things to come back, maybe the latest thing to come back in my opinion. So yes, it's nice to see things back, but I don't think that channels it into my hope for college football in particular. Yeah. Unfortunately, like you said, I mean, I agree with you guys, shotgun sport, baseball, like, to me, shotgun, this is MLB needs to get their act together and figure this out. They're fighting between the owners and the players and stuff. There's a this is a huge opportunity. You know, we've seen Major League Baseball lose so much market share. If you can make this work, make it work because there'd be an enormous opportunity here. I know the the ratings for the the soccer this morning were like 10 times what they were before for mm -hmm. FS1. This is a big opportunity. People are jonesing like the, the last dance is over now. Like, there's just not that many things. People are like, I, they feel like they've watched all of Netflix. They want something live. And like, if Major League Baseball can get it going, uh, I think it's a huge opportunity there. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think that, you know, it would be great to have Major League Baseball back because there's you, you have the opportunity for so many games to be able to, to watch. You know, you got home teams and stuff for people to root for. It's a positive thing, you know, similar, much different, but similar to 9-11 and, you know, being able to have the World Series after that with a New York team in it and George Bush throwing out the first pitch and how much kind of, you know, kind of hope that, hey, this we're, we're getting back to normalcy. It's kind of what that moment kind of gave. Uh, a little bit there. So that would be great for MLB. But it, the the argument that's going on and what is happening after reading some of the stuff with the MLB, I haven't dug really deep into it. But it, it's hard for me to believe that the players are just going to give up a bunch of money, give up all these things that they already have just for the sake of, you, you know, to be out there playing. You know, the owners, they're like, well, we're going to lose money. Well, hey, uh, there's a ton of businesses around the country that are losing money as well. You can't just – you can't try to – they're trying to basically back the players into a corner with, you know, kind of a PR campaign saying, well, they're just not taking this. and They, they should be out there playing when they're asking the players to give up a bunch of stuff. They're also trying to get the players to go to this, uh, you know, to the – you know, basically where there would be a salary cap and, you know, revenue sharing and stuff. They're trying to, to push a lot of stuff and using, you know, a crisis to try to push that agenda, I think, in my opinion, from the stuff that I read. Now, could the players give up some other stuff and, hey, they're millionaires and it's billionaires fighting millionaires. So that's yeah. why the common person who wants to see sports is, is upset about, you know, they're, they're bickering back and forth. But also, if you look at it from either side, either perspective, you go, I can understand a little bit of this. I can understand a little bit of that. You know, the players, you're saying, hey, give up four months of your life of, away from your family, basically. Hey, don't take a shower in the clubhouse. Hey, you can't ride in an Uber or Lyft or take a taxi. No high fives. No, no, uh, no sunflower seeds. No spitting on the field. All these different things. But, hey, also – We've agreed to, you know, to basically prorate the contracts for this year. Thanks for doing that. We already agreed to that before. But now can you also take another pay cut on top of that? And so I, I feel like the owners are just keep pushing, pushing more and more and trying to use it as a PR uh, that the players aren't wanting to deal with us type of thing to push this agenda. So if the owners come around and say, hey, we're going to lose money on this, but it's going to be great to get people back and look at how much money they're going to make on that TV contract, depending on how many games they can get in, it would seem like it would be a good move for the owners to, to make some moves. But we'll see how the bickering goes back and forth for a little while on that before. But that kind of lends the thing. You know, uh, Joe Sheehan, who, who covers MLB baseball, had a tweet earlier today or yesterday. He said – and it was talking about college football. He said the amount of effort that, uh, you know, the commissioners – are putting into kind of backdooring a justification for pushing unpaid teenagers into unsafe conditions for profit, while at the same time we're debating whether professionals, Major League Baseball, should be playing at all, is kind of an indictment of everyone involved. And I think that's the big thing. Just like Keeley said, is you got to remember that college football is amateurs. You're basically pushing kids, you know, into this and say if it is an unsafe condition, saying. You guys just get out there and play. It's fine. And if you don't, well, you know, maybe we'll take your scholarship away versus you look at the MLB, you know, they have the MLBPA. They can, you know, debate and argue and, and negotiate this back and forth. What do the college football players, there's no union for them to go out there and say, okay, well, we agree to this, but we don't agree to that type of thing. So that's going to make it that much more difficult, I think, when it comes to college football. 
Good job uh, filibustering there, Shotgun, while Keely was going in and out of her wormhole or whatever she's doing right now. Uh, are you okay, Keely? Or is it, what's your, your internet feeling like? I'm not? transporting through time and space, but I'm here now. I will try to do my best to stay present. <laughs> please, please be present. Um, we're going to get into uh, the big commit USC got uh, recently, but I, wanted, I put up a, a YouTube question from Coley. Uh, any word on JT Daniels returning? Any, you guys hear anything? Nothing on my end. Actually, yes, I did hear something, but I'm not willing to share it at this moment. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I completely uh, forgot about that. But yes, I have heard things in the rumor mill, but I it's not ready for public consumption. Yeah. Nothing has been confirmed as of yet is what she yes. said. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the one good thing, though, is that well, if you're a USC fan, you want JT Daniels to come back. It doesn't look like the transfer, you know, exception is going to go through with the NCAA. So that would give JT Daniels an opportunity to return, graduate, you know, be a backup for a year. And then if he wanted to transfer after that, could transfer without penalty for two years. So uh, we'll have to see what it goes on there. But thanks for the question there, Coley. Uh, we got to talk some recruiting, guys. What uh let me put this Indeed. up here for you. It's it's one of the things that we get to talk to talk about every week <laughs> with USC it seems. Yeah. Very true. Colin Mobley, you want to start off, Shotgun? You know, Colin Mobley is a guy who actually came out to USC last year, um, you know, for 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 a visit, you know, which seems kind of strange, you know, a Damatha Catholic kid from uh, Maryland coming out to visit without an offer or anything uh, before that uh, point. Um, so USC's coaches kind of knew about him already. He was talking with Chad Kawahaha uh, last year, and then that switched over to Vic Soto. And obviously, he, Vic coming from UVA, good connection there. He had already seen Dematha Catholic. Dematha Catholic obviously played out at St. John Bosco this past year, so we got to see him play a little bit. Chris Torino and I were out there for that game. Chris Torino's alma mater. Shout-outs to Chris there for that one. Uh, but, you know, there was a ton of talent in that game. So it was hard to pick and, and watch everybody because we were filming individual players. But DeMatha Catholic is a, a team that last year, their offensive line, I think it was all five of their guys were going power five. Uh, I think four of them, three or four of them were in – either the ACC or the, the Big Ten. So he was going against that every day in practice, which tells you that he's, he's a kid that has some versatility on the defensive line, but that tells you that, that he, uh, you know, is getting is going to be getting better every day in practice, uh, that type of thing. So, you know, Colin Mobley is a guy that USC could line up at defensive end, can line up, can potentially move him inside. So you get some positional versatility there. But a big thing in that that connection was Vic B Vic Soto being from you know coaching at Virginia, so he already had you know scouted uh, Dematha Catholic and that area and USC kind of getting into that DMV area where they've put out a bunch of commits uh, or a bunch of offers here recently, an area that they haven't really recruited much in the past. Yeah, uh, Chris Trevino was he the happiest guy on the West Coast <laughs> after this happened? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so, so Chris actually did talk to Colin Mobley after, uh, you know, after they played at St. John Bosco and talked to him a little bit. I think he did a story right after the game. So he has a little bit of connection there. So, he, you know, that's why Chris was on top of this one. Uh, you know, he had yeah. interviews with, the, I think, the defensive coordinator from DeMatha as well because 
hey, it, it helps when you're an alma mater and you you uh, you know uh, it's your alma mater. You can reach out to some guys that are for, uh, familiar with you as well. He had like seven stories and an admin. You know, we're ready for this one to go. So Chris, Chris, a big Maryland guy. So this is uh, we're very Andy, happy for Chris. Yeah, he talks any chance he can get to talk about his high school, he'll take. So this was just he was happy about this one. Yeah, he knew all about it. It was pretty mm -hmm. funny. Nice. And and the thing about you know getting a commit from Damascus Catholic is that they are a national powerhouse. They're going to play a national schedule, so you see you know those type of players going up against other really good players. So it's not like there's any really guessing game where you know we're going all the way across the country to try to get a commit, but we're really not sure about the you know the level of play that they're. That's not an issue here. You know if you get into Damascus and they have a number of other guys in the 2021 class, 2022 class. Um, that are talented kids. So USC, maybe that you know gets them in with a guy like Greg Penn or somebody, the linebacker, some of the other players that are on that uh, in that program. So you know, I, I think it's great for them to be able to get. It's always good to be able to to get players from powerhouses and hopefully use that to to build a little bit of a pipeline. Yeah, and to your point, Shotgun, Chris had actually wrote in his story that uh, I think Colin could have transferred and played and started at a public school if he wanted to, but he stayed uh, and he worked up his way on the depth chart. I believe Chase Young, he was behind Chase Young on the depth chart when he was back there, so some, some fierce competition there. But uh, So that's something that Chris wrote about, but I think it's notable that the last two commitments that USC got, uh, the first one, Julian Simon, up in the Pacific Northwest, getting outside of California, and now over on the East Coast, USC is kind of branching out where they're picking their guys. Uh, so, I've, and of course, Chad K started this communication with him for USC, but it's something where you can see USC starting to branch out a little bit more on the recruiting trail. Yeah, one of the things that comes up a lot is because of the coronavirus, the COVID nineteen stuff. People are assuming, well, like maybe some of the Southern California players will stay home, and you're not going to see people leaving the state. USC's picked up commitments from a bunch of other regions that aren't in California. So, I mean, this is, you know, that's a good sign for this staff. I mean, this is really a, it's a very good recruiting staff and they're going out there. They don't have people, you know, kids to coach right now. So they're really just going out and recruiting full time and the, it's paying dividends and they're doing a really good job, not just in Southern California, but across the country. And Colin Mobley's commitment solidifies USC as the number five class right now. They're kind of right mm -hmm. on the, the uh, tail um, of, of Clemson, I believe it is, or just a few points behind in that one. So if they were to get another commitment, they would probably jump into the top four. Um, I, I think that it's interesting that you pointed out that they're going to different areas. However, depending on how the entire situation plays out, that can also could, yeah. lend itself to decommitments just because, True. you know, as you get closer to the season – then parents start going either, you know, if things aren't going well in the country, they start going, I, I think it's better if we, you know, we relook re at this and, you know, examine it once more and see if it's, see if there's an option that's closer to home, maybe that fits better for us. So that could still be something that comes up, but USC has been, been passing out offers all over the country. I mean, there was a story today, they had two kids from Florida, two outside linebackers, um, you know, there are over 300 offers currently out for the next wow. three classes. So, um, wow. you know, that, that's heavily in the 2021 class. I think it's like 170, 115, and 25 or so for the 2023 class, but up over 300 offers now total. Uh, and that's only seems like it's going to continue to grow because it, it seems like every day there's an offer or two going out. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like a 2023 one that went out today, right? I think you did a story mm -hmm. on that. Or is that? Yeah, crazy. I, we have a live call. Should we, uh, oh. you, guys, you guys ready for a live caller? Go for it. Let's do it. Uh, looks like Luke 
from Anaheim. Luke, how you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, big fan of the show. Uh, fight on. Um, my brother Nick played for the team during the Pete Carroll uh, age. I was wondering if you guys knew him, Nick Garrett. And then my uh, my other question was, do you think we'll land Michael Jackson? Nice. Nick Garrett was a linebacker, correct? Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I remember. Uh, very cool that your brother was on the team. Um, I did a one-on-one -on -one interview with uh, Michael Jackson, uh, I guess this past week. Days don't really mean anything anymore. I, I think it was I think it was Thursday. I don't know when it was. It was it was within the last week or so. And uh, big, you know, he's really high uh, on USC. Um, you know, big grew up a fan. So I, yeah, I, if I had to, you know, I don't do the crystal ball thing. If I had to do a crystal ball, I think most, I think all the crystal balls for him are pointing to USC. I would add mine to that list. I don't know if you guys see anything different. You know, I, I talked to Michael Jackson earlier this uh, earlier this year before he got the offer from USC, and you know, just talking to him and him telling me how much an offer would mean, mm -hmm. uh, kind of told you know that tells you a lot more than you know after a kid gets an offer and kids have thirty or forty offers. Like, oh yeah, it's great. I love this offer. But when kids are talking about the offer they really want, uh, and that kind of stands out a little bit more. And you know, like you said, grew up a USC fan. The family is all USC fans, so. That is not going to hurt them. And Michael Jackson's not rated that high. However, I think that he can, you know, provide uh, something in this offense similar to the style of Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, he's not going to be as good as Amon Ross St. Brown because Amon Ross St. Brown's the best slot receiver and kind of the mold that he fits. But I, I think that Michael Jackson kind of is, is similar type of receiver that you can move inside, move outside, and he can do some different things. And he's a guy that, you know, in a pinch, he's the guy you would look to to put it running back because he's really good with the ball in his hands, runs really crisp routes, does all the the, the small stuff that you need uh, to be really good when you're not, you know, just an absolute physical freak. Um, but he's, you know, a, a guy that's, you know, 5'11", 6 foot, uh, but he has really good quick moves. But – I think that he's a guy that's similar to that Alan Ross St. Brown style. Yeah. Have you seen him, Keely? Or I haven't seen him play, no, but I did watch uh it was Thursday, Ryan, your lunch with the Trojans. Okay. So yeah. so that's all I have to add. I agree with everything y'all said. What what's today? Sunday? I don't even know what day it is. Who knows? Um, nice. But yeah, he was good. Thank you for that. Uh yeah, Nick Garrett, the uh USC linebacker. So Luke, very cool. Uh we had a, I think we had a YouTube comment like Luke, I am your father, so I don't know. <laughs> Kind of low-hanging fruit. We do have a question uh, yes. from SC Slotguy. So this must – maybe that's Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't know. Uh, does Mobley <laughs> commitment mean no foreman? No, that's not what this means. Uh, Mobley is a defensive end, but he could, you can move him around a little bit. They're going to be taking multiple defense linemen in this class. Yeah. Um, the, the question is how many defense linemen they're going to try to take, how well are they going to do with the five-star guys because they have their eyes on three five-star guys. You know, Colin Mobley is a three-star, and that that freaked some people out on our on the P. You know, calm down a little bit, guys. He, he's he's a solid player there. Uh, but they're looking at Corey Foreman, they're looking at JT Tuamalau, and they're also looking at Mason Smith out of uh, Louisiana. So that's three five-star guys. If you can get two of those, you're going to be happy as can be. If you're a USC fan, um, you know, obviously getting one would be really big for them. But they will take as many of those guys as they can get. Yeah. It doesn't matter who's already committed. You know, if they get another commitment from a defensive lineman, they would still take all three of those five-star guys that could. Um, they'll they'll move numbers around in other positions to to be able to get five-star defensive linemen because 
not only does USC need those guys, especially with what's going to be leaving in the next year or so with Jay Tufele, Marlon Tabulo, too, Brendan uh, Peely, uh, Caleb Tremblay, Jacob Lichtenstein, but impact defense alignment, uh, five-star defense alignment usually are immediate impact guys. Yep. So you're looking for those type guys anytime you can get them. Yeah. Uh, Keely, got a thought on that? I was going to ask Jacqueline, have you watched Mobley Save at all? Uh, I watched, I rewatched some of the stuff from the St. John Bosco uh, game. I haven't gone in depth on it. I just kind of glanced over it uh, when he was committing. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that looking at his body type and stuff, that you, depending on what you want and need out of him, you can move him either way. You can have him slim down and just play a straight defensive end. You can have him bulk up and move inside some. So that gives you some flexibility with what other positions you want to take in this class as well. Yeah, I, I glanced, emphasis on glance at his film, and I got kind of Uchina Nuosu vibes. I don't know if that's a bad comp, but I kind of saw it. Not sure if you wanted to add your thoughts on that. Huh. I, don't, I don't know that I necessarily saw that, but I'll take a, another look and okay. you know, see if that, with that in mind, see if that catches, and maybe next week I'll, I'll report back on, okay, my, sounds my good. Homework, on my homework assignment from Keeley. Okay. Uh, and was a, he was like a three-star safety in uh, – and, and at Narbonne, yeah. he was like, he's one of those guys that developed when he got to USC. He wasn't, you know, he didn't look like Mobley did when he was in high school. Okay, so there so, you but go. But, but, you know, I think it's fair. Solid, but like moldable. I don't know. That's. Yeah. And here's the thing. And I'm not going to do a rant on this, but I'll do like okay. a little mini rant as far as like all of you that were complaining about USC's recruiting class last year justified. Like all the three-star guys, you don't say, oh, that's the, those guys they're going after. This is a different looking class. This is not, there's a bunch of really highly ranked guys. There's other guys that are on the table for the five stars, like Shotgun mentioned. But the three star dudes they're bringing in aren't like ranked 1200 in the country. They're ranked like 350 or something. Like they're people that are the borderline. They have offers from powers like Alabama or Auburn or whatever. Like there's these guys, there's, these are guys that are highly recruited that just happen to be three stars. There's a difference between the three stars that you were getting, you saw most of them from last year and what the guys that are kind of filling out this class right now. So I wouldn't, um, you know, just because you were complaining about the recruiting class last year, don't look for reasons to complain about this year because this year is really good. They're doing much better this year. You guys think that's fair or? Yeah, I'm hitting on. <laughs> they're obviously – they're obviously recruiting much better. And, you know, the the talent of a three-star like Mobley, who's, uh, you know, I don't know, I can't remember what his overall ranking is, but is much higher than the three stars they had last year when they're getting guys, some yeah. of the linemen they had were, you know, over a thousandth ranked player in the in the nation. Yeah. So, um, so I, I think it's definitely different there. You know, some of the guys that were getting last year, they had some offers, but not quite the, you know, the offer sheet that Mobley has. I think he's a solid player um, and a guy that, like I said, because of the versatility, could eventually grow into a different position uh, based on, you know, what you need for him to be. Yeah. Um, we have, I got to put this question, this uh, comment up from Tony um, Keeley. This is just for you. Let's see if it pulls up here. Sorry. Sometimes these are slow to pull up. Here we go. Our ratings lower when Keeley is not on the show. Like usually, way lower, right? Like significantly it's, lower. It's moves like this, Ryan. That just I can't wait to get back and produce the show because this would never make it to air. No. Wait, when spelled W E N, you didn't like that. That was not, uh, you know. And maybe he's going fast. 
got some in the comments. I, Can I we get like, a football question, Mr. Abraham? I, I do like putting up the comments and stuff from what people are saying. See, but this, this Keely likes to run a tighter ship. I like to put the Tight comments ship. up, especially when you compliment me when I put something up. I want to like the, the interviews and stuff that we've been doing. And we, <laughs> and we do like I put a couple of comments up. We do appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, we are trying to make this easier for all of you. It's hard on everyone. We're trying to do more interviews. We're trying to do different things in the in the show. So uh, our regular show, like we're doing tonight, but also some of the ones during the week where we interview people. Um, we got to do another uh, watch party. We haven't had a watch party in a while. Ooh. Those are kind of a little pain to put together, but we'll uh, we'll make sure we do that again. Uh, but you know, and, and I'm glad. We're glad that we can uh, kind of brighten your day a little bit and make something, you know, give you something to to watch because, you know, the last dance is over. Now what are you going to do? So we got to. Uh, we got to do more tunnel visions, I guess. <laughs> I can look, let me look for, do you guys have any questions there? Yeah, uh, we have, we're ready to go whenever you want us to go. Yeah. Okay. Here, I'll, I'll try to find something, but uh, yeah, well, go, you guys pull up a question. You mentioned last dance, Ryan. Hip hop lover said, how old were y'all when Jordan won his last championship? Oh, uh, 1998. I don't know if Ryan can do the math. Might be, he might be struggling with that. I was I, 28, I guess. Something like that. You're older than I am right now. Wow, that's crazy. I was, yeah, I was. I was born in '70, so I was 28. Wow, I was, I was 13 years old. I was never a Jordan fan. Uh, I actually did not like Jordan because he won all the time. So I was always rooting. My team at the time was the I, my team at the time was the Charlotte Hornets uh, as well as the Atlanta Hawks because I'm all Atlanta. But the Charlotte Hornets because Lonzo Mourning has always been my favorite player. Um, so I was always rooting for them. They were they were definitely a young underdog team at all times. Yeah. They remained underdog team. You were three. Yes. Yeah, I was probably 27 because I was I'm I was born in the end of the um, my birthday's in December. So I was probably I was 27. But yeah. Uh, my one of my roommates in college was a huge Chicago fan and the like, Cubs and the Bulls. So he was a little insufferable early on when the Bulls started winning. Because like if you watch the documentary, like Jordan was the man. But the Bulls weren't winning. He would score 60 against the Celtics, but they wouldn't win. Then he started winning. So then you're like, now this guy's the man and they're unstoppable. And like just the whole baseball thing and quitting and all this stuff. I mean, all that. I mean, it's a, I, I love the story. I mean, the story is great. But some of those Chicago fans could have been insufferable. And there were, it's sort of like Duke or whatever, like the Yankees. People were rooting against Chicago because they were just winning all the time. Interesting. But to look back now, and try to, and someone put in the comments says like LeBron's the goat. It's like no, LeBron's not the goat. Like Jordan is the freaking goat. Like there's no question about that. He's the best. I mean, you can talk about Wilt and Bill Russell and and Kareem and all that stuff. But there, I mean, like argue two, three, four, five. I don't care. But there's one. There's only one, and it's Jordan. He's the best. There you go. Um, back to USC talk. Cody put on YouTube: Is USC playing Alabama? And this is probably something we need to talk about in general because there were some newsy items. This week about Ooh. USC and Alabama, uh, I think first it was Paul Feinbaum on ESPN's Get Up uh, came out and said that sources were telling him that uh, Alabama on the Alabama side of things, they were getting a little uh, uh, skittish about the potential matchup and were talking to TCU, I believe. I think that's right, yeah. And uh, and so they uh, that was something that Paul Feinbaum put out. Then a couple hours later, Tuesday afternoon, uh, your boy, Ryan Colin Cowherd, he put out that uh, he was hearing similar things. Uh, we were actually on a happy hour with Mike Bone uh, when that was happening. When, and when he, he tweeted of, it out, yeah. Yeah. And, so and he, I texted Colin like during the happy 
before. So really, yeah. So he he put out a tweet refuting that, says that they have every intention to still play. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, Alabama's AD said the same thing. So right now, I mean, they have every intention. That sounds great, but is that just business speak for this actually won't happen? But I think it's it's no it's worth noting that the reason why Alabama was talking to TCU is because it's so close. Their campus is so close to AT and T Stadium. Uh, they're already in Texas because right now, as it stands, the governor of Texas is having everyone from California do a fourteen day quarantine, yeah. which. For everyone involved coming from Southern California to go to Texas to cover that game, should it happen? Do we leave two weeks in advance? Does USC leave two weeks in advance? It seems like a headache right now. Obviously, it's a couple months away still, but that's kind of the latest as far as official uh, talks about it. Yeah, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, TCU and are scheduled to play Cal. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There if, you go. if they don't, if they're not able to play, if Alabama and USC can't play, TCU can't play Cal. Mm-hmm. Boom, there's an opportunity to play right there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I texted with Colin. The feeling I got was it wasn't like he was told that this was good. It was just like that's the writing on the wall. Like that's the way it looks like it's going as opposed to there was a decision made. I don't think there's a decision made. Uh, I think Mike Bone was honest with us when, when he talked about, I mean, they fully anticipate playing this game. I think it's a very important game for everyone. Um, I think it's an important game for college football. It's an amazing opening weekend, opening couple of weeks for college football. But, you know, Oregon is the, you know, the governor of Oregon said they're not going to have, you know, large groups until after, you know, the end of September, Ohio State's going to Eugene and playing in early September. There's a lot, you know, Washington is hosting Michigan. Uh, There's some really big games, not just in the Pac-12, but across the country. I think these are all important. So I'm still going to remain optimistic that this is something that's going to happen uh, I don't feel like USC decide they're not going to play Alabama and Alabama's looking for another thing. That's I think there's everyone's looking at contingency plans. I didn't put a whole lot of stock in Clay Helton saying, yeah, they looked at playing all conference games. That's an option. You know, yeah. that's I think there's, there's I think there's just you have to there's nothing else you can do but look at all your options right now. So I think that's what's going on. But that is a, I mean, if for some reason California is like, you can't play football. Maybe the rest of the Pac-12 does. And and USC, UCLA, Cal, and Stanford don't. TCU and Alabama could play. Like, they're looking at what could happen if California shuts down. It's much more likely to say California is going to shut down than Alabama is going to shut down. But I think what it, when David Shaw was talking about this during the, the webinar this past week, they had webinar uh, for the Pac-12. All the coaches got to speak a little bit. And, you know, it's like basically you have to let the virus – decide where this is going to go. Like no, everyone wants to have college football back, but you have to, you know, you just have to follow the science. You have to follow what's going to be logical, what's going to be safe for everybody. And like you guys mentioned, these aren't professional athletes. These are yeah. student athletes. Uh, so it's a big difference. So I would just pump the brakes. Uh, you know, in a month from now, we should know a whole lot more. We should have a lot more information. We'll see what these other leagues do. We're starting to see live sports back. Like we talked about at the top of the show and hopefully we can get there. People are going to go out there, compete, be safe and pave the way all these other sports would pave the way for college football to come back. So that's my hope crossing your fingers, hoping that happens. I think it's interesting that when you had Brandon Sosna on to talk, the chief of staff at USC underneath Mike bone, one of the things he said is we have modeled 166,000 different scenarios as far as what will it do to our budget ranging and talks about, you know, the budget and the football season, 
the things they're modeling are also okay. The contingency plans, okay. What happens if this or that or no or not? It, for me, it's just I hate hypotheticals, uh, you know, which has been stated many times on the show. Uh, but it and, and Clay Helton said it. You know, I, I will know more in, in four to five weeks or four to six weeks is the timeline he gave. You know, all the Pac-12 coaches are hoping for to have six weeks to lead in. So you know, in, in six weeks. From now, that would basically give you about two weeks. You know, if they made a decision six weeks from now, um, then you'd be a couple weeks away from starting that that six week stretch to be ready on in time. So I think you'll know enough in six weeks. Uh, it's really hard to say a bunch of stuff. I think everybody's just guessing right now. Okay, well we're gonna know this. We're not gonna know that. You know, what, what scientific developments are made in that next six weeks? That'll tell you a lot about you know how quickly things are, are going to be able to done. Is there going to be enough testing? That's the biggest thing still in the country is is there going to be enough testing and is it going to be you know responsible even for you know to to say okay well some entertainment device of some sport or anything else well it makes more sense for us to use uh, the the testing and supplies we have on you know entertainment purposes versus people that may actually need it for health wise. So um, I I think all that stuff is still to be determined. If suddenly we've ramped up testing and, you know, it's, it's everyone's getting the testing immediately and it's getting the feedback that changes so much then. But until those things start start happening, it's hard to say, yeah, this will happen or no, this won't happen. Um, Again, I think given the timeline that Clay Helton gave and said, you know, in four to six weeks, we think we'll know a lot more. I think that's pretty accurate. Um, and you know we're still waiting around, and it's four weeks ago we said the same thing. So unfortunately, that there's still that that hesitancy there. But it's hard to go ahead and just say, well, we'll cancel this game because if things do clear up, and hopefully they do, we all hope that. And you're gonna be like, well, sorry, TCU, we changed our mind again. We're going back if you're Alabama. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it makes sense for Alabama to look and say, hey, you know who who's a team that's in Texas already? TCU. Oh, look, they're playing a team from California. California may not be able to travel or do anything. This may work for us. So yeah, that makes sense for them to look out and say, and check with, you know, check with TCU and say, Hey, would you guys have interest? Let's just gauge the interest there to begin with. I mean, there's so many different things that are in play here that everybody's going to have conversations and, and talk about it. And, you know, if you read up on and stuff, you know, they're having these conference calls with the commissioners you know, once a day or, or once a week. I think it, I think it's once a day, actually. Um, so they're all discussing and trying to figure it out because everyone knows how important the college football season is to the future of college athletics. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it's just – it's good business practice to go through every model, to go through every potential plan. Um, and so I wouldn't latch on to anything in particular that maybe leaks out or something that Clay Helton says that has been thought about, you know. Um, it's also worth mentioning someone in the comments, I think it was SC Slot guy, said talking about budgets before kids' lives. And both Brandon Sosna and Mike Bone had set, have said that they're not going to risk students' lives for a game. Like, they have made that clear. And if he's if SC Salt guys talking about us, I think it goes without saying that, of course, we want student-athlete safety above yes. all before games and whatnot. So I think we're operating on the on the assumption that if it were to return, it's safe to a certain degree. Um, so I just wanted to make sure and throw that out there on both of our behalves. Yeah. I mean, we obviously, we all want college football to be back. I mean, the, the athletic departments want it because it's, you know, like it said, it's driving the budget. But... No one wants it back if it's going to 
endanger lives. Like you, yeah. that's not what you want. You want everything to be safe. So uh, we're hopefully can be. We have another. Uh, uh, real quick oh, on, on sorry, that, Ryan. You know, just on the comment this SC slot guy had, the health of the students will directly affect the budgets. Because if someone gets sick from oh. this and has a serious injury, the, the liability there is going to yeah. majorly affect budgets going forward, which is why I think the, it, it seems farther away than you know even the SEC people are trying to put it out there. I think that the liability concerns, the lawyers are going to get involved and say, let's back up a little bit before we say everyone's ready to go and we can go out there and go full bore. We had a, a Dreshawn uh, write in on YouTube. Do you think the corners are going to be playing press man or off man this year? Dante Williams is a man type of guy. Well, Todd Orlando is an off man uh, guy to run the scheme. What do you think, Shotgun? Uh, first off, let me say, don't spam us with the same question over and over and over. I timed out Dreshawn on that one. We got the question. <laughs> you know, Keely uh, and I keep track of all the questions. Yep. We uh, as well, just to, you know, even if it, we only get to them in rapid fire, the good questions will get answered. I just, just want to say that. However, <laughs> it was a good question. We had it on there. I had it bolded for one to, to ask here. Oh, sorry. Um, but no problem, Ryan. Uh, it's all part of the process. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I think it's going to come down to what exactly they think they can get out of the front. You know, if you can get pressure uh, with your front without blitzing, then you can play more press and feel comfortable with that. If you're going to have to blitz, then you want to play off just so you don't get beat over the top because there's going to be no help then with the safeties um, because you you got safeties playing in the box and different things. So I think it comes down to that part, portion of it, it for one. I think USC is, is really capable of playing press man this year with guys like Elijah Griffin and Chris Steele and Greg Johnson. you got three physical guys right there that are they can do really well in press man, similar when you had Iman Marshall, uh, a little bit different than – you know, Dory Jackson's not necessarily the guy you want up there pressing compared to someone like Iman Marshall. So I think USC, just the the talent they have on the roster, lends itself to them being able to play press if they want to. Yeah, and I, I mean, we didn't get into it when I had Dante Williams on uh, the one-on-one -on -one show, but he, he was great, uh, the lunch with the Trojan thing. And, uh, yeah, you just got the feeling that he really liked the personnel that he has. Like a guy like Isaac Taylor Stewart, like just looking at his measurables, he was just gushing about that kind of. So I think there's the the pieces in place. They can run different things if they want. If they want to press more, I think they have the personnel, like Shotgun said, to do that. They can play off man. They can do whatever they want because of the guys that they have. Mm -hmm. uh, Coley directed this question for for Shotgun, but I'm going to direct it to both of you because Ryan, you do the podcast of champions. He oh, says, besides USC, which Pac-12 team do you feel is doing the best in recruiting? Uh, I haven't looked at the rankings right now. I think Oregon, I mean, Oregon's been the best the last couple of years. Um, Stanford's actually been pretty good. Washington's been good. Uh, my guess right now, I haven't looked at the rankings yet, but I think probably Oregon and Washington would be right up there. What would you, what's the, what do you got uh, shotgun? I mean, the way that, the way that Oregon is recruiting offensive linemen and the fact that they're probably yeah. going to get, uh, you know, three of the top five or so linemen in the West. You know that that's the thing that they're beating everybody on. You know they they got they got guys like Pene Sewell. You know they're in a great position with a guy like Kingsley uh, Suamatai uh, from Orem High School, where Noah Sewell went to high school. I think Pene also went there. I don't remember if he was at a different high school uh, in Utah. Great position for him. I think he's probably the best offensive lineman on the West Coast, in my opinion. Uh, you know they just got Jonah Miller uh, commit there. 
Um, you know, they got another lineman a little bit earlier in the process. So I think the way that they're recruiting with their linemen, and it helps that Mario Cristobal was an offensive lineman coach, and that's where all their strength comes from. You know, obviously you look and you say, oh, Justin Herbert, what a name. But the offensive line is what carried that offense yeah. all last year. You know, it, it wasn't Justin Herbert. He wasn't lead, He wasn't Sam Darnolding that offensive line. It was the other way around for the <laughs> offensive line uh, for them. So I, I think that if they continue to be really successful with their offensive line recruiting and development, you can always win a bunch of games with great offensive line play. Yeah. I was just about to ask you, Shotgun, how much is their offensive line recruiting based on Mario Cristobal and his mindset versus just overall recruiting talent? I think that it's, you know, he understands the importance of offensive linemen. So, you know, they go all out for their offensive linemen. And it's a really big year for them because they lost four guys off that offensive line. So they've got some guys that are going to step in, but they need to, you know, they got to start building those reserves back up now uh, after the guys they lost off last year's roster. So I think it's a little bit of combination Mm -hmm. of, of multiple things here. So right now, SC's uh, number one in the Pac-12 with 12 commitments. Uh, Oregon's number two with seven, um, five four-stars and uh, two three-stars. USC has nine four-stars, so just kind of blowing away right now. Cal's actually third. Interesting. Hmm. They're doing well. Justin Wilcox, a couple of four-stars and, and some three-stars. Uh, Washington has one, the only five-star uh, in the Pac-12 right now and uh, five three-stars. They're fourth. And ASU has been recruiting really well. As far as recruiting Southern California, some of the skill position players, They've done a good job. They're one of the teams, I think, that took advantage of USC, uh, taking a couple steps back the last couple of years. Uh, so they're up there. So, but they're, you know, that's four commitments right now. So USC is right now, you know, with 12, you know, kind of blowing everybody uh, away. I mean, USC had what, 13 signees from the class of 2020, already 12 commitments, uh, for the class of 2021. So it's like pretty much like night and day, uh, compared to before. But Oregon is going to be up there. I think at the end of the day, you know, Cal, we'll see if they stick up there. I think Washington, Jimmy Lake, uh, you know, they're doing a good job there, too. So I think those are the, the other programs, the Pac-12, you'll see recruit well. Yeah, and, uh, Washington, and Washington has uh, Sam Heward, the five-star quarterback committed there. So anytime you have a five-star quarterback committed, and he's been committed for a few years. He's a legacy, obviously. His dad's Damon Heward, the former NFL quarterback that, that played at Washington as well. That's a great start to your class and helps you develop everything from there. Um, so, you know, they're going to be, they're recruiting guys like JT Tuomola as well. Um, so they're going to be in the mix because Washington has a lot of talented players this year as well, the state of Washington. Yeah. Hippo Cracker said, is Sam Darnling a new term, Shotgun? <laughs> I, I don't, I just came up with it off the top of my head, but they, you know, <laughs> he, he carried the offense uh, much more than the offensive line, giving him great pockets all the time. Yeah. We all knew like, what you meant. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to put that comment up, but then uh, Bison for Life, uh, a little shout out to the DMV. So I put that up there for our buddy Trevino too. So AKA Trevino's burner, Bison for is that, Life. Is that Trevino's burner? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Luke says, who is your guy's favorite player in USC's current 2021 cl- recruiting class? In the current class? Um, I mean, I'm putting current. My my favorite guy to talk to is is not a USC commit, but but Miller Moss, the quarterback the USC is recruiting, because he's been my guy from day one. You know, I, I I'm the one that discovered him just you know for <laughs> our for our uh, for our 24/7 database and stuff. I was like, I don't know who that guy is, but he, he's throwing the ball really well uh, at true. one of the USC camps. So and he's a great kid to talk to, and he's really thoughtful and everything. So so he's my favorite guy in the group to talk to. 
Um, uh, Ryan, what about you? Who do you think in this group? Oh, I mean, I love talking to Miller Moss too. But he's not a commitment. Uh, and I, I'm to be honest, I haven't talked with a ton of the guys that are committed right now. We've shot footage of them, a bunch of them and stuff. But um, a lot of the guys that like could end up being commitments I've talked to. But just I had to go back and watch the uh, Coach Snoop documentary. So I'm going to go with uh, Maximus Gibbs. He's the lowest ranked guy of the, this group right now. But uh, seeing him when he was, I think, in eighth grade uh, on that show. And uh, that was it was pretty cool. Like, I was like, wow, this, you know, and I thought he represented himself uh, well. He had he was kind of the mama's boy. Well, his mom was sort of like the babying type and everything. So that was pretty cool. And how he's changed his physique and everything going forward and just become a, you know, a highly sought after recruit. I, 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 I'm a fan. And, and, a guy that, and a guy that could take a big jump uh, this upcoming year as he continues to mold that body. Yeah. I would say Jake Garcia. I talked to him a bit, but I would say favorite Twitter follow is Brandon Campbell. I don't know if that's cheating, but there <laughs> you go. Gonna, we got to get Brandon on the, uh, we'll do a little one-on-one with him at some point. Cause he's, yeah. uh, he's a, you know, Cool. Dude. He hasn't visited USC, right? Like he hasn't come out to USC yet. Nope, he's like a commitment. Yet. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, you know, that's a unique character when he's like, "Yeah, I'm in Texas, but I'm going to commit to USC, even though I've not been to the campus before." Like, ah, oh, what you know? And there's a pandemic going on. Yeah, I'll just commit there. I've never been there. That's fine. He's also kind of the vocal leader of the class. Oh, it's, yeah. it's Jake and and Brandon keep going back and forth, but he's kind of the vocal leader from Texas, which tells you a lot considering he hasn't really even been in SoCal. Yeah, when, and Chalk mentioned there could be decommitments. Like he seems like the last dude in the world that would decommit. He hasn't even been to USC yet. So that's one of those things. Like that's a good, yeah. you know, that's a good pull. You need people like that. I think yeah. we've seen some of the misses that USC's had over the last few years where you don't, every guy doesn't have to be the highest ranked guy. You got a guy that's like, I'm just all in on USC. I think like Thomas Graham was a guy like that that was committed for a while, ends up going to yeah. Oregon. Like USC sort of was like, well, I don't, it's not really our type of guy. It's like, dude, the, his sister was going to USC. Like he loved USC. Like he was, he was a four star dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, that's just take the guy. Like that's just a guy. Just take him. Don't worry about, oh, well, I wanted a guy that was two inches taller or whatever it is. Like that's just a guy you take, you know? Brandon Campbell's doing all this stuff from Texas. Like, even if you get like second thoughts about him, like, no, bring him in. Like, you want that a guy like that on your team? Oh, you, 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 you bring up the 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 misses of the DB class. You know, when when Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore, who were Oregon starting two cornerbacks, both really really wanted to go to USC, and USC yeah. was like, yeah, yeah. And then the same thing with Jalen Johnson. You know, USC was really high on. And then he hurt his shoulder again. And they go, ah, your brother's had some shoulder issues. Ah. And Jalen Johnson is a second-round draft pick. Right. Thomas Graham and Diamondo Lenore, I think, were two of the top five in the, in the uh, conference in interceptions last year. I think both of them had, had several interceptions. And instead, USC got Jakari Godfrey. And unfortunately, his knee injury you know, never really recovered. And he never got in the mix. And he transfers away. So it does not do really well with that recruiting of DBs. I mean, yeah. you turned those guys down. He, Godfrey came on his official visit to USC in a full-on like leg brace. And you're like, you had questions about these other guys? And you're bringing this dude in who can't even walk on his own? And you're like, I, I mean, yeah, there were some really bad decisions that were made. It's not just... We talked about the recruiting effort where there were some coaches who just weren't recruiting, but there were some bad misses, like just like bad calls like that. that you shouldn't have done that. There was just, you know, some of them seem pretty obvious. So, uh, but you feel better, much better about this staff, not just 
the effort they're putting in, but on, you know, at least for what we've seen so far, some of the evaluations, some of the guys that they're bringing in that are getting committed that maybe aren't the highest ranked guys are guys that are probably going to move up, not just because they got a USC offer or things like that, but because it's like, oh yeah, you, you start to see these guys more. So that's showing you that the coaches, I think, are doing a better job of evaluating and figure out the guys that even if it's not a four-star guy or whatever, this is someone that you want to bring into your class because other people have already off, you know, they're popular guys. They're, they're getting offered. They're going to you know move up the rankings. And I, I think their USC is on the right track with the, the direction they're going there. As far as current commits, my favorite guy that I've talked to so far, I think is uh, Zamarian Gordon. And that's uh, mainly because of getting the stories about how his mom, his mom is really into academics. You know, all kids say that, like, yeah, I really want to go to a school for the academics. And you're like, are you really? You're looking at this school or this school. And you're like, that's not really an academic powerhouse so much. But uh, Zamarion uh, has actually had to miss some practices in the past or yeah. and it was close to missing games because he got a, I think it was a C plus on something. And his mom was like, no. I, and he's like, how did she get my report card? She shouldn't even <laughs> have this by now. There's no way it should be even at the hell. And so, so uh, you know, hearing him tell the stories of that was really fun. So he, he was a fun person to talk to. Um, early in the year before he came into the USC. So uh, I look forward to talking and seeing his game develop as well going forward. Yeah. I need to talk to him about that. Our moms sound very similar. <laughs> uh, can we go into rapid fire, Mr. Abraham? Yeah, I have a uh, one more. Well, it's a question. I think it's like it can be a little bit of a topic and then we'll go into rapid fire because we don't want to sure. go too long. It's already after. We have uh, a couple of questions. Uh, 9 p.m. But uh, this is from... Uh, Base something. Uh, there's a whole bunch of letters there. Uh, with possible lost revenue from COVID-19, uh, the Pac-12 poor TV deal, do you guys see a Big 12 Pac-12 merger? No, I do not. Do you guys, <laughs> you guys feel like? Uh, honestly, I think, you know, your relegation, uh, you know, Premier League college football, I think that, you know, some kind of, Super conference, I think that would have a better chance of necessarily just a merger between those two conferences. Um, and, and the West region would be very, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, and the schools on the West Coast. So, yeah. and again, even if you get to something like that, because and you're doing that because of the coronavirus issues, the West is always going to have problems with travel. It's just so spread out. You know, that's one of the things where you're, you're talking about, you know, you're looking at, are you going to be able to play games weekly and, you know, are, you know, teams going to be able to get on planes and stuff because, you know, major league baseball, they can charter their own planes. They can buy their own plane if they really want to and just take it wherever. You're not doing the same thing with, with college football, yeah. uh, especially with the financial issues that are kind of going in effect right now. So that's going to be something that the SEC is going to have a better advantage on because you can take a bus from Auburn to, you know, Jacksonville, Florida, if you want to. You can go from Knoxville to to wherever in, in the SEC. You know, may not want to go from Knoxville to Baton Rouge or out to Missouri. Not as much fun there, but most of the trips are are very doable. Having gone to school right outside Knoxville, traveled down to the, you know, the, basically the, the Georgia-Florida bar, uh, border. That's seven hours in a bus, not fun, but yeah. you can do that much easier than, than getting on planes if you think that's a, you know, a health concern. Yeah, if you're in Tucson, just jump on a bus and hit the Pullman. It's easy. No problem. It's like two days. Um, so here's the thing. Here's the issue. I mean, this is like a capitalistic deal. So right now, what do you have? 10 teams in the Big 12 and 12 teams in the Pac-12. Uh, 
there's 22 teams. Bigger is not necessarily better. So just because, oh, you got 22 teams, there's more markets and stuff. No, because Kansas is at the bottom. Oregon State is at the bottom. You don't need, if you were going to make some kind of merger, you would have to cut off some of the bottom dwellers. And that's really what, and if you looked at my story that went up uh, yesterday, I believe, or was it was there this morning? Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, about So we talked about this on the Dan Pod with uh, Keeley, and someone asked us a question about this, and uh, we kind of went into it. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic wrote a story a couple years ago. I think it might have been when he was at Fox, then updated it last year for The Athletic. I quoted him a little bit from that. I talked to him a little bit about it and like, hey, is this possible where you would do a Premier League type of scenario where you have 32 teams, four divisions, and it's just the powers? So what's why does the Big Ten have this huge television deal? Well, Ohio State and Michigan and Wisconsin and Penn State, like those are the drivers of that deal. Why does the SEC have this big deal? I mean, there's more schools there, but Alabama and LSU and Florida – uh, the, so all these schools, um, the the powers are the reasons why you're getting these big TV deals. The people at the bottom, the Vanderbilts, are along for the ride. They are getting pulled along. And if you cut out Vanderbilt out of the SEC, you go from 14 teams to 13, would you lose money on the? No, the TV deal would not change a bit. They would it'd be the exact same deal. They wouldn't care if if uh, you know Oregon State dropped out of the Pac-12. Are you going to like, is ESPN going to go like, oh no, that's not the deal we signed up for. Now, if USC dropped out of the Pac-12, they would want to redo the deal because that's not what they were looking for because there's not no Notre Dame game every other year and things like that. So I don't think a merger makes sense, but there could be some sort of like, you know, like Chaka was saying, if you're trying to make a super conference where maybe just for football, you put something together and it would just be the powers, that would be worth something. Having Oklahoma and Texas and TCU and USC and Washington and Oregon, like having those in the same thing would mean something. Adding in like Kansas, you know, it doesn't really, that doesn't really add anything to it. So that's why I think the Premier League is fun. And I'm, and like I said, I'm not a soccer guy. I watch some <laughs> soccer stuff. The best thing about soccer is relegation where you have 32 halves, you know, whatever you have these teams in the Premier League. And if you stink, you get dropped down to a lower league and someone gets an opportunity to bump up. So in the situation that Stuart Mandel put up there, there's big programs like I think Baylor wasn't in there or Utah wasn't in there. Well, say they do really well in whatever the, the bottom division is and like an Arkansas is sucking. You know, they're just not playing well. Well, boom, you, you promote Utah and you bump down Arkansas. And the TV money would be redonkulous because you're talking about like every week, your USC, it's like you're playing your division. It's like Oregon, Washington, Ohio, I mean, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, like those are the people in your division. And then like, oh, cross division, I'm going to play oh, Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. You're like, what the, What kind of schedule is this? But every one of those games would be must watch. You yeah. would have to like you would there would be it would just be so lucrative. The television contract would be so lucrative. Um, I think something like that. And I talked to Stuart Mandela about it. He said it's like pie in the sky. But with the Corona night, you know, the COVID-19 stuff. You know, maybe you look at that a little bit more, uh, but that's like, that's basically a professional league. He said that that would be, you put those 32 teams together and you negotiate a television contract, it would be second only to the NFL. It would beat the NBA, it would beat Major League, it would beat everything else. Having those major teams all in one thing, like an NFL sort of schedule. So I think it's it's awesome. Like it would be amazing. And And you're a fan of someone like USC, it makes sense because you're in there, you're in the halves. If you're a fan of someone like Utah, you've been doing really well. You won the division the last couple of years. 
but you're not a traditional power. You've done had some really good years. You might be on the outside looking in where you're like, you know, you're getting close. Like you're you're trying to get to that Rose Bowl and stuff. But for a USC, it makes sense because you're already, you know, you're already there. Um, but you know, in that scenario, you have to keep winning. Otherwise, you drop down, and that would be. I mean, can you imagine like how devastating that would be to be in like the the big league and then get dropped out? Like, I've not been a fan of soccer, so I don't really know. Like, I'm not a fan of like Liverpool or something. Like, oh, Liverpool dropped out. Like, I don't know. Like, what happened? Like, that's got to be the weirdest thing. Like, you're not even in the league anymore. Like, you get kicked out. Like, that's just crazy. But then my rebuttal was: Can you even say it's amateurism at that point? No, like, I yeah, don't it's think not. you can. You definitely can't. Not. Yeah. yeah, but but the it's yeah, still it's the same still- sport. And it's like, I mean, the, of the course, TV contract but... would be, I mean, he said it'd just be insane. Like it would be second only to the NFL. And I, I agree. It, it would just be similar to FBS versus FCS. And the thing that that, that makes it not necessarily uh, just a complete fantasy is that the power five conferences already have some autonomy. You know, they yeah. decided on the, the BCS format. It's not the group of five. It's not the FCS schools that are deciding this. You know, so they're all Division One, but they're they're not deciding this. Uh, you know, same as the Group of Five. I mean, of the, of the Power Five. You know, those five conference commissioners have so much more power than any of the Group of Five commissioners or anything. So it's not necessarily completely a fantasy. And also, college baseball has had discussions similar to mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, maybe we should divide this up a little bit." Just because, you know, in college baseball, you're allowed to have 11.7 scholarships. Not every program fully funds their their scholarships. So some programs have five scholarships total to use for a 35-man wow. roster. And, and how are you splitting that up? That's crazy, right? So, you know, if you have five and you're competing against a team that has, you know, uh, two, uh, almost two and a half as many as you, it's, it's such a dramatic difference that some say, hey, maybe we should just split this up. And that's been discussions that have happened in college baseball. Maybe you see some of that in, in college football. People go, you know, I'm Toledo. I, I'm not competing on the same playing field. It doesn't make sense. Now, you would still – you wouldn't play every single game, you know, against an Alabama or Clemson. You still, you know, in relegation, you play those lower-ranked teams some as well uh, in, in the soccer leagues and stuff. And then that's their opportunity to showcase what they can do and as they move up the rankings. And, hey, there's, there's interesting – so many different interesting ways you could take it. I thought BW had an interesting uh, comment that maybe you even do rele- relegation from Pac-12 to Mountain West, where you just link oh. up a couple conferences. Where if you know if you're a Utah when they were dominating the Mountain West, maybe you play your way up into the Pac-12. Yeah. And then if you're Washington yeah. State and, uh, or Oregon State or UCLA right now, and you're not doing well, and you know the the impetus behind all that would be it forces teams to be competitive. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you know, and that's the thing. That's what you would love it to see that in like an NBA or MLB where teams just can't tank all the time. Yeah. yeah. You say, well, if you, you're not playing well, you could get kicked out of the league. So you better better be playing to win every game. Hey, yeah. I want to put this up real quick. John had a comment. Ryan, but how long would it take for SC to get relegated? Okay. People commented on my story about this. Look, do I need to go on a rant again here? Here we go. No, USC is not going to get like USC sleepwalked to a Rose Bowl win a couple years ago. <laughs> like they start off one and three. It's still USC. I get it. You don't like Clay Helton. Yes, they had a bad recruiting class. And they still now bounce back with it. It's USC. Like you have these advantages that even if you have what you feel is a bad coach, maybe a lot of people feel that way, 
You're still bringing in talent. It's still USC. It would be really hard for a USC to get relegated. Could UCLA get relegated pretty easily? Yeah. Like they're there. They haven't won a, a out of conference game under the Chip Kelly era. Like they haven't won a single out of conference game. Yes, USC is not done as well as they could have. They went five and seven a couple of years ago. But for you to be like, oh, they're going to be relegated, it's like, no. Like they they still have advantage. Now they're not going to be able to beat up on uh, some of the you know lower. The, I mean, you got to bring your A game because you're going to be in this really tough conference. But to say like, oh, USC is going to get relegated is just that's just crap to me. Derek actually asked. He said, "Would USC have dropped after the five and seven season?" No, there was also there were still teams that were below them, and it depends on you know different leagues have different yeah. styles of relegation. Sometimes it's a two year average. Sometimes it's the bottom certain amount of teams. It may not just be one team. Uh, all that would be determined based on the size and different things like that. But it, it's it's not going to happen, guys. But it would be fun. Yeah. I feel like you guys did this just because I mentioned the phrase rapid fire. You went on like a ten minute tangent, but it's cool. But, but Ryan did say before we get to that, and then yes. that's okay. That's true. That's right. true. He I'll, didn't I'll back it. off. I'll back off, producer lady. Let's rapid fire. <laughs> okay, uh, Alexis says if USC wins nine plus games this upcoming season, do you see four potential first to second rounders in the upcoming draft? Yes, I believe so. Four? Uh, that's a lot. Yeah, I've written about this though. I okay. if they Who have individual. Tufele. Well, first off, Tufele leads all the mock drafts as USC's only first-rounder. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, but it is another heavy uh, wide receiver class in the 2021 draft. So, not sure about that. And then you have Elijah Barrett Tucker. Uh, as far as interior linemen go, he's one of the top that people are watching. Um, and then I wrote about one more who's slipping my mind right now. Otelno Hufunga has always been on draft scouts' mind. So, somehow he has a breakout uh, season. Now, this is like not only dependent on USC having a good season, but them having individual good seasons. Because yeah. these are guys, specifically Talano Hufunga and maybe Elijah Tucker, where they have to build on what they've done. And right now, they're not guaranteed first to second rounders. Yeah. So there you go. If it was an 11 win, say 11 win ga games, then uh, I would say yes. But nine, you know, USC can go nine and three, nine and four. And you're like, eh. Yeah. I mean, look at this season. USC went nine and four, I believe. Nine and three. Wow, I'm in a COVID tunnel of forgetting. But uh, <laughs> USC only had Michael Pittman and uh, Austin Jackson go, so eight, it doesn't. Eight and five, right? Was it eight and five? Yeah. Wow. Sorry, guys. I'm okay. out of it right now. It was eight and four, but, and then lose the ball game. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But that doesn't guarantee winning the team winning that you'll get drafted high. Look at John Houston or Christian Rector yeah. or Drew Richmond. It's not a guarantee at all. So. There you go. Did those guys sign at all? Like they have not I, I still haven't heard anything from them. Yeah, and uh, some of it might be the, the COVID stuff too, but maybe, but yeah. but still. But you're not gonna have a bunch of new signings now. They didn't get signed in that first wave. You know, they're yeah. gonna still work out and hopefully once there are off off season training, if that happens at all, or rookie camps, someone gets injured, those type of things, that's when you hope to to get that invite. Yeah. Corey says, shotgun, how is Cal Ford, Josh Jackson, Brim McCoy, Gary Bryant Jr., Manier McLean all supposed to get playing time? Rotation. <laughs> Behind Tyler Tyler Vaughn's, I guess you would say. Yeah. I would just, yeah. Is that, is that your answer? One word answer? I mean, they, they, there was talk <laughs> last year of playing 10, 12 guys, you know, that didn't happen. Uh, but you know, you got four, two five stars coming off the bench. You got, you know, like Gary Bryant and every, you know, guys like that, like everyone you mentioned, I think there's an opportunity for, uh, some rotation going, but you know, that some of it had to do with 
JT Daniels getting hurt. I think they have confidence in Keaton Slovis. If they want to rotate in eight, nine guys at wide receiver, I think they're going to feel more comfortable doing that this year, as long as everyone, as Keaton Slovis stays healthy. Hippo Cracker says, any basketball thoughts, Shotgun? Uh, it's a an overhaul of their roster once again. USC for the second year in a row, they're going to have uh, four players returning and three of them that basically have played the previous season. That's the same thing, same setup they had last year. Uh, they'll they'll get Noah Bauman in, who was a transfer from San Jose State, who's going to be a sharpshooter. But basically, a bunch of new for, uh, transfers are going to come in, as well as Evan Mobley to play with his brother. Um, and Ethan Anderson and Max Agmopolo. So it's going to be a new roster. They're going to have to play probably a different way than they played last year. I talked to Drew Peterson, the, the transfer from Rice that USC just got. I'll have a story on him in the next couple of days. Um, you know, he's hoping for a waiver, but not necessarily expecting it. So they'll probably have him and um, Josh Morgan from Long Beach State both sitting out this season. They still have one spot available. So they're still going to be looking for potentially another impact transfer to, to bring in as well or an impact freshman if someone shakes loose uh, before the beginning of the uh, school season, school year in fall. One final one from me. Ben Jen says, if we sign Miller Moss, do, does USC lose Garcia? Are there any other court, uh, quarterbacks interested? I mean, those are the two pr primary targets there. Um, obviously, Tyler Buckner, who's from uh, La Jolla down in San Diego, who is committed to Notre Dame, is another guy USC has scouted and was at USC's camp a couple years ago. Uh, you had, I think, all three of those guys, as well as Bryce Young, uh, all at the same USC summer camp. So there, there's been some talent on USC's campus. So they brought in guys like that. Quinn Ewers, who is the top 2022 quarterback was also at that camp top 22 22 quarterback in the country so they've scouted a bunch of different quarterbacks so who they're actually looking at you know I think that the Moss is their number one target right now they haven't really focused on anyone else as much recently yeah uh real quick uh LA Fred on Twitter was saying that I did he liked that we were talking relegation but said I dissed Liverpool I don't really know a lot of Premier League teams. I know Liverpool because I think they're good. They're good. I'm just saying, Get like, Alicia if, in here. Yeah, at least I'm sorry, Alicia. I know uh, they won. Know. I thought they won. Or yeah, they I think they won, won the thing. I don't really Something. know much about it, but I think they won. I think it's a big deal. But that's the whole point is what you get. Like, what if Washington? would get dropped down or like Auburn or something like someone that's like a normal power. Somehow they would drop down. Like that's crazy to me. Like, was Liverpool ever relegated? I don't know. I don't know much about the history of all that stuff, but. Like no, but, Manchester United, like have they been, they've never been relegated or anything. The know? thing is, though, and also this is a difference between well, it's a discrepancy. You just spend a lot more money, and usually that oh. solves your issues in, in soccer to an extent. So, uh, okay. you, if you spend enough on really really good players, then you, you're going to stay middle of the tier and stay away from the very bottom. It's just oh, okay. you know the, the amount of money that certain teams can spend um, versus some of the teams that are in danger of relegation a lot of times. Okay. So like the Alabamas and the Ohio States of the Premier League were never going to be relegated. They're just always going to be good. No, because okay. even when Alabama's down, like they don't go 111. Down. Right. Yeah, I mean yeah. like even in the, you know, the Saban's first it's, year, I think they went 3 4 and 8 or 3 and 9 or you know, or 5 and 7 or something. Like they had a losing record, but it wasn't 111. Gotcha. 
who was I'm about to expose myself, but there was a team that jumped from the the bottom league to the top league and won. Who was that? I forgot who it was, but that happened a couple of years ago. Is that Manchester City or something? Or is that yeah? I, yeah, that, that sounds do, right. Do I so. know that? That's crazy. I don't know much about this. I try to pay a little bit attention, but I don't know. I just don't know all the rules. I just know I love relegation. I think that's great. So. <laughs> And yes, Liverpool was in in uh, was set up to win, I believe it was. So, but they they had already basically had enough points, but the season was canceled at that time. So, go. if they don't get started back up, they won't get that title. Apparently. Oh, sorry, Classic. Alicia. We need Rain and Troy open here to explain these things to us. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the one I was watching yesterday was like a blue team and a yellow team, and I was tweeting about it. And I just <laughs> there's Bundesliga. Say it, Ryan. Bundesliga. Say it. Bundesliga. Uh, what was the, the, there was like the, it's like they said it was a, someone t- tweeted me that that was like the, whatever the yellow team and the blue team were, they're like, it's a huge, it's like USC UCLA rivalry times a hundred. And I'm like, I don't wow. think it's that, but like, no, like I, I've never even heard of it. Like it can't be USC UCLA times a hundred. Like that was, that was Dortmund and shock. Yeah. Like that, whatever Dortmund and shock are, it can't be USC UCLA times a hundred. I'm sorry. Like it's just not. <laughs> Ryan, you're such a college football elitist. Well, Ryan, I mean, just, like Ryan next, has next, actually it, gone to a rivalry soccer game, right? Did you go? I on went your, to. Trip? I went in uh, Spain. Yeah, I went to. Uh, oh, fun! Yeah, the Camp Nou uh, to see uh, Barcelona and uh, Barcelona. Who's that guy? Uh, Pele? No, not Pele. That's a really good. <laughs> who's one. that guy? Messi. <laughs> Messi scored two goals. He was great. <laughs> Oh, I love I love doing that because like you know I don't, my friends know that I don't like soccer but you have you have friends that are just adamant like soccer fans and they're defiant about how and it, you'd be like yeah I went to this thing like the you know it's like going to the Super Bowl for them and like and, and like yeah it was fine I don't care and they're like oh my god I would have been crazy if I got to go to that I'm like it was cool though I mean see Messi score a couple goals yeah <laughs> just to like tease them I was like the whole point to go is just to kind of tease them like hey I was you're always a troll you're always, always troll. apparently like troll. it was Leicester City. Three people, Thylacine, Benjamin, and Rick Hale. Thanks for letting me know. Okay. Yeah. So I I think Manchester City made some kind of run. Like they were better than Manchester United for a little while or something. I don't know. I remember seeing something like that, but we're just exposing ourselves on something we don't know. Yeah, no freaking clue. I'm sorry. So (laughs) So, anyway, USC Fred, I wasn't I'm not dissing Liverpool. I just was trying to give an example of, you know, a team that would fall down that (laughs) normally wouldn't, you know. But you guys should check out the Bundesliga. Get your live sports fix. There also are uh, a good number of Americans that play in that. That are also on the the national team. So it gives you something to root for. If you if you really want, you can look at the rosters and find the Americans and root for them as they play in the Bundesliga. There you go. Cool. Should we wrap it up, or is that it? That's it. Well, we talked soccer, which I, I don't know anything about. Um, soccer, basketball, and baseball. We really are. In a crazy time. Well, I, I had to call Shaka out of the baseball stuff because this would really be a prime opportunity for Major League Baseball to come back. If like South Korea can do it, let's let's get it going. Let's figure something out. Um, there's there's a lot of differences between yeah. what's happened in South Korea versus the United States. Yeah, uh, but we got to make something happen. Hopefully, you know, maybe next week we'll be a little bit closer to college football. We got to have it. We got to have it back. Um, at some point, I don't know. We're just hopeful, and we're. I don't know how many more of these we can do. Let's go, let's go another half an hour, Keely. What do you say? No. <laughs> I think Chuck and we'll have a, a breakdown if we do. Awesome. Well, we do appreciate all you guys tuning in. Uh, again, we'll look at the technical issues with uh, Periscope and Facebook. We'll upload 
um, the video over to Facebook so you can do that. We'll put this on a podcast as well. So if you want to just hear the audio version of it, uh, and we'll figure, we'll try to figure out what's going on there, but thanks for coming in and joining us on, uh, YouTube. And we, you know, we appreciate you guys coming in every week. It's a lot of fun and sorry, there's no more last dance. We'll probably go back to our regular schedule of time, uh, next week. So check that out. That is uh shotgun Keely right over here. Uh, I'm Ryan. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah. Thank you guys. And uh, we will talk to you next time. And as Dave S said, don't forget to hit the like button. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Don't forget to hit the like button. You made me like screw up the graphics there. Cause you like, so after I stopped, I made you, I tried to come back. You can, they can still hear my voice. You could just let it go. I could have. That's true. It's just bad. Keely, do you want to get back in the studio? Yes, I do. I See, now you know what I put up with. Because Shotgun always adds little comments when I'm trying to wrap this thing up. I have like a candle. I saw right here. I'll disinfect this whole place. You just come in the studio and you can produce it. I'll come. Home. I will. I will. All right. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.